Positive way, Alex. Your accent is hysterical. Uh, <laughs> you sound exactly like I should have expected you to sound. I've, I've yeah, I, I um, I caught up with a few of the my SMU mates uh, during the during the lockdown and quarantine or whatever, and um, yeah, they all said the same thing. Yeah, do people in Australia make fun of you for having an American accent? I'm uh, I'm destined to be ridiculed my entire life. I think. Yeah, when it comes to my accent. FC Dallas Curious fans, welcome to episode 64 of Third Degree, the podcast. I'm Buzz Carrick. I'm uh, flying solo tonight. Uh, I do have a special guest with me, however. I think uh, he's a former FC Dallas and former SMU player. We'll get to the rest of his career in a minute, but I think everyone's going to love to hear his story because I find it absolutely fascinating. But before we do that, let me remind everybody that if you enjoy this podcast or anything we do online, or on Twitter, or on social media, all the reporting and covering of FC Dallas and Pro Soccer. You can support us at patreon.com slash third degree. All right, let's get on right into the podcast. And today's special guest, as I said, is a former SMU and FC Dallas player, the one and only Alex Smith. Alex Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Buzz. I really appreciate you having me, man. Well, now there's probably, and let's be fair, Alex, there's probably some fans at home who might be scratching their head to wonder who Alex Smith is. And I will, we will talk about all that and what he has to do with FC Dallas and SMU. But let's start at the very, very beginning, Alex. You were born in Windsor, England in 1985, uh, but you came to the United States at age of one. So just a baby. But what brought your family and you to the United States? Well, uh, at the at the time, uh, my my father was working for for British Petroleum for BP, and um, he was working for his uncle um, who was stationed in in Oregon. Um, so we moved over to uh, to Oregon for three four years, and then eventually moved down to to Houston um, when I was about four, I think, um, for him to start his own company and. And that's where that's where I grew up, and and that's where I was raised, and and until the age of about eighteen, when I went off to when I went off to college. Now your parents still live in the Houston area, I believe. Is that correct? Yep, they're still still there. Um, they've they've since got a place in in England as well. Um, but yeah, that's they spend most of the time either either in Texas or England or, or visiting me out here in in Australia. Well, now you, you've, you've, you've spoiled it a little bit that you have lived in Australia for a while, oh. and, but you're from England. That's okay. You're from England and you live in the United States. I know you have U.S. citizenship. Uh, where, what country do you consider yourself to be from if people ask you? That's a, that's a great question. Um, and I think it, it, sometimes it gets a different answer. Um, <laughs> depending on who asked, yeah. <laughs> depending on who asked and, and what I'm going to benefit from, from, uh, from, from which answer I give. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I still have my three passports um, from, from all, all three different countries. So, um, I, you know, I'd like to say I, I, I've taken something from, from everywhere I've been and, and lived. And, um, you know, I, I feel a strong pull to England. Um, I, I don't know why. Um, I was only there for about a year, but um, call it a call it something bringing me back. I, I don't know what it is, but but home at the moment and probably probably for the for the majority of my life, will be will be over here in in Australia. 
Now I'm going to ask you the question that I asked pretty much everybody that comes on this podcast. And, and that is how, and when did you fall in love with the game of soccer? Um, football, if you prefer that term. <laughs> football, Yeah. Which is another interesting conversation. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, when did I fall in love with the game of soccer? I probably fell in love at a, at a very young age. Um, my, my earliest memories of, of soccer uh, was was getting picking the ball up uh, close to our goal, dribbling through four or five players and, and scoring at the other end. Um, and I think that for me was that for me was the joy. Um, that was that was football at its purest, um, which which gets ruined on ruined uh, a bit later in life. Um, starting when you're about ten and, and you know you you wanted by a team to play up when you're in the under twelve division or whatever it was and, and some rule says that you can't because they, they don't allow people to they don't allow kids to play up in age. Um, which is about when it started, about about when the joy went out of it for me. <laughs> so your youth development happened in the United States. Uh, you talked about playing youth soccer, so I'm sure you're well aware of how the youth system works here. Did you play for a big name youth club or, or ODP or any kind of high level development soccer? Um, we, we had a team called Bear Creek United um, in Houston, which has since become uh, Texas United. I think um, one of my old friends is, is now the, he's now the technical director there. Uh, but no, we had a, we had a very good, uh, a very good team. It was mixed with with a lot of different nationalities and a lot of different personalities. Arturo Alvarez played on that team with me. Oh wow! Um, Small so, world. So we, yeah, we grew up together, and you know, we we still talk to this day. You know, every couple of weeks. Um, so you know, we 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 had quite a a good solid team. Um, Stewie Holden played uh, in our in our league as well. He played on another team. Um, so the the quality that that came from our sort of uh, area in our age group was 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 quite high. Um, I made state ODP teams, uh, but but never never anything higher than that. Never regional or, or, or national. So, well, there's certainly nothing wrong with making a state ODP team. But let's let's move straight on to college. And you started out at in college playing soccer at Centenary College in Louisiana. Uh, you scored six game, goals and six assists in 17 games, but how did you get to Centenary from Houston, and what what is that program like? <laughs> um, I could probably do a whole podcast just on, yeah. on that little tiny <laughs> school. Um, so, you know, I wasn't, uh, again, I only made, I say only, but, you know, I only made state ODP teams. I wasn't a, a, a high-level recruit, I guess you could say, you know, I was I was a bit of a late developer, I think, um, as well. I grew six inches my sophomore year in high school or something. Wow. Um, and, and so I was still a bit gangly and, and kind of uncoordinated, and it took a while to, to catch up. So, uh, you know, I had a few recruitment letters, but nothing nothing massive. And, and I got one from Centenary saying they were offering a full scholarship. And, um, you know, it, it seemed like the, the right decision at the time. Um, it was a tiny school, I think the smallest Division One NCAA school in the country. Um, I think we had a thousand students. Good grief. Um, so, you know, you can look at it. I guess you can look at it two ways. It was it was tiny, but, you know, it was a, it was a really close-knit school and, and everyone knew, you know, knew each other. And, you know, everyone went to every single sporting game that there was because, you know, that they... It was it was all there was to do really in in Shreveport. So uh, it was definitely an, an interesting time and a 
a, a good buffering period between my time, you know, uh, leaving home and then and then being in a you know being in the real world, I guess. Now, this was in 2003 when I mentioned you had six and six. Uh, you transferred to SMU, though. So how did that transfer come about? We we played uh, SMU in a preseason friendly, I think it was. Um, and they were this was this was would have been 2005, and they were they were you know ranked quite high in in, in the national polls and. Um, I think we, we went up one nil. I scored a, I scored a goal from, you know, 35 meters out or whatever it was. And we ended up losing six <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> and after the game, Shellis came up to me and said, look, if you're not happy at the end of the year, then, um, you know, give us a, uh, make contact or, or, you know, whatever, however he said it, I can't really remember, but, um, you know, which is kind of how those things work, I guess. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, entirely above board, but I don't know how else it can. I don't know how else transfers can happen. So um, yeah. that was that was kind of that was kind of how it happened. Now you score uh, 13 goals in 19 games at SMU in your first season, which is a sophomore, and you make Missouri Valley first team. How was playing for Shellis? Did you did you enjoy that experience? He's a very love hate kind of coach. A lot of guys hate playing for him. A lot of guys love playing for him. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, he, for me, he was, um, you know, he was very old school. He's, he was very, you know, if you, if you produce on the pitch, then it doesn't really matter what, what's going on, um, how you train, um, all that sort of stuff. He, he gave his players a lot of freedom, um, you know, tactically and, 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 you know, the sort of the modern coach, I don't know if that was, was his strongest point, but you know, you can't argue with a guy that, that got, you know, that got the kind of results that, that he did. Um, you know, he was he was lucky in the fact that SMU could recruit the best players, and and you know, um, even you know, uh, off the wall transfers from Centenary College came in, and, <laughs> and you know, yeah. did really well. So he was, you know, he was. You know, everyone has their strengths and everyone has their weaknesses, you know. So, uh, but but in terms of the season and trainings and and you know, it was a great program. Uh, it was a great school. It was, uh, you know, the facilities were unbelievable. Um, so. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my my solitary year there. Well, we must say this is where it starts to get interesting. And if if you guys don't out there don't know Alex's story, this is where the left turn starts to happen. Because uh, after that season, you go on trial to if I, and hopefully this is correct, Shrewsbury Town and Walsall in England. But before we get into the consequences of that, how did those trials and if they are the correct trials, how did they come to pass, and what was that process like? Well, basically, the, the the plan was always to go to England um, that summer and, and keep because you know as you know in, in between seasons is you know a four month summer break or whatever it is. So you know anywhere else in the world, a nineteen twenty year old uh, professional professional or someone that wants to be a professional footballer, they're you know they're they're, they're not taking a three month break. So right. um, it was more initially it was more of a go over there, just train, keep keep in shape with with some teams. Um, but the, the reason, I guess the, the, the reason it all came about was, was really due to scholarship money. Um, uh, when I came initially in a, as a transfer, I think I had a, a small scholarship to, to SMU, which as you know, is, is quite an expensive school. Indeed. Um, and the, the, I guess the communication always was that, you know, you come here for a year, you have a good year and then, We'll look at it, you know. We'll look at it at the end of the year, and, and hopefully we can get you on a, a full scholarship. And that talk went on throughout the year as I was was doing quite well. 
um, you know, I don't think I could have done any more, led the team in scoring and, um, you know, was, was basically a, a surprise package and, and, you know, did all I could for, on the football pitch. Um, yeah. 13 and 19 games is amazing. And, and, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to, it's, it's not blowing your own horn or anything, but it's, you know, that, that was, those were the conversations that, that we had had with, uh, with the, with the program. So, um, and it kind of came to a, to my attention. I think I had a meeting with Shellis uh, just after the season, um, and the the communication was that it might not be possible to to get you any more money. Mm. Um, you know, which uh, which which hurt a little bit, and you know, it, it didn't um, didn't really sit well with me. So um, you know, that's when I really made a decision to go to to England and. Um, uh, you know, I guess uh, give it a shot's the wrong word because I always had SMU in the back of my mind. I never went over there uh, 100% determined to leave SMU. I always did everything I could when I went over there to keep my amateur status or whatever you want to call it. Um, when I went, when I went to uh, initially Shrewsbury um, and then on, on to Warsaw. So most Americans probably don't know what a pro- the process of a trial is like in those situations. How, how does how are they like when you get over there? How does it work? Well, you, I mean, you you have to know you have to know somebody, and I think I had a connection through um, through one of the local clubs in Houston. Um, a guy we knew uh, growing up, he'd come over from England. He he had a couple of connections over there, um, and you know, basically they they just you know they they set you up. You you go to training. Um, you know, sometimes it's for, sometimes it only takes an hour for the coach to say, you know what, it's, you're not going to fit in here. Um, that's never happened to me, but I've, I've seen it happen. Um, and then, you know, basically just goes from there. If the, if the coach is interested, then you stay on for a bit, maybe playing a, in a game or two. And then a contract normally, normally develops, uh, close after that. So, so you get to the heart of the matter here. When you come back to SMU for the next season, the NCAA rules you ineligible to play college soccer ever again, if I understand this correctly, and if I remember correctly. Uh, my memory says something about a gate being charged on one of your uh, tryout sort of games or something like that. What was it that the NCAA objected to in terms of your trials? Yeah, Do you, was, do you remember? Was, oh, yeah. I never you don't forget something like that. <laughs> All right. Um, I uh, so I went initially to Shrewsbury Town. I went to Shrewsbury Town for a day. Yeah. Um, uh, because I had Walsall set up. Uh, it was Shrewsbury Town was more like a, a late add-on thing that that just sort of kind of happened uh, when I got over there. Um, I had a really good training session. Um, Joe Hart was playing for Shrewsbury at the time, um, and I had a really good session and and basically was offered a contract after the after the session at Shrewsbury Uh, at Shrewsbury yeah Um, and I hadn't obviously I just trained um, but Walsall in the time was in the championship or I think it was division one at the time Um, so I decided to to honor my my commitment and go to and go to Walsall Um, and I ended up staying there for two or three months I think it was maybe two months two months I think it was um, and I was sort of right on the cusp of, of yes, maybe no. Um, the problem with me was I was, tw- I was already 20 at the time. And the, the reasoning I got was, uh, we've got someone who's basically the same, who's 18, 17, 18. So, um, 
you know, it didn't work out. And, and while I was there, I played in a couple of preseason games with them, mm-hmm. um, which was which was actually one of my greatest memories. It was a you know, Paul Merson was the was the player manager there at the time, and you know, to share the pitch with him and 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 was was actually incredible. Um, but when I was there, I took care of, of, of all my accommodation, all my meals. I, I didn't, they didn't pay for anything. Um, rented a car, drove to and from training, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, it just, it, it didn't work out, which I, you know, I wasn't too disappointed with because I didn't go over there with the, with the hundred percent intention of, of making it, um, or, or, or bust. Um, so as soon as I got back to Dallas, I, uh, had a meeting with Shellis and someone else, and I just let them know that this is what I what I had done and and where I'd been. Um, more as more as just a, a catch up as to what I'd been doing over the summer, and you know, not not thinking anything of it. Um, and then they said, "Oh, well, we've got to we've got to report this to the NCAA mm. or something." And I, said, well, what for? I took care of every, I, you know, I, I covered all my expenses, blah 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 blah, and and they said. Um, no, but it's because people paid to watch these these games, which is absolutely absurd. Um, and so then we went through the process, and then we had this this big hearing where I had to give a deposition and all this. Like it was it was pretty full on and, and pretty unnecessary, if you ask me. But you know, we went through the process, and I I was very sincere in the fact of you know what I was doing and, and why I did it and and you know, told them everything I knew basically. And, um, and they came and we, we also, the, the funny thing was we also had a, a precedent with, I think it was a year earlier. It was a guy from Indiana. Uh, I forget his name. Um, Jed is coming to mind for some reason. Anyway, he had, he had basically done the exact same thing. Um, and he had got a, a six game suspension, uh, from the NCAA for, for the, for the next year. So I, you know, I was thinking worst case scenario, this is this is what's going to happen. Maybe you know, have to sit out a few games and right. Yeah, I'm, at this point, I'm only you know, I've still got my junior and senior year left. Mm-hmm. I'd already spoken to to FC Dallas and, and Kansas City and, and a couple other MLS clubs about you know Generation Adidas and, and the possible possibility of that happening. So you know, I wasn't I wasn't anywhere near expecting you know what what they came back with, which was like you said, I was. I was, um, you know, uh, forbidden from uh, participating in any more NCAA activities for, you know, for life. Yeah. Well, and also because you're NCAA ineligible, you're not eligible for the MLS Super Draft either. So you have to basically sit out for all of 2005 waiting for something with 2006. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not only was it, was it, you know, you, your life's turned upside down with, with university, then you think, okay, well, it's, I'll, I'll go into the draft and, you know, at least, you know, something good comes out of this. And, and then they, you know, the MLS comes back with, nope, you know, you're not, you're not actually a college player. So you're not, um, eligible, you're not eligible yeah. for the draft. And that was at the time, you know, like I said, I was speaking to, to two or three MLS clubs. So, um, the generation Adidas thing, you know, that's a three-year contract, and right, you know, it's it's a it's kind of a big, you know, it's a big deal, and and you know, a great way for a, a young player to start his career, and I, you know, that was that was where my mind was uh, at the time. So uh, to have that kind of taken away as well was was just completely completely demoralizing. Yeah, I can only imagine what's going through your mind at that point. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is where my this is where my love hate relationship with football really really sort of started to to sway towards the hate side um you know it's not a it's not a game anymore it's not you know you're not playing sport you're playing you're playing with you know uh, bureaucracy and and rules and 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 just you know uh, just silly silly stuff when at the end of the day it's it's just a game and and that's all we're there to do is 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 play on the pitch and and you know make people happy um so you know, from there, um, it, it just kind of it went downhill for for the next couple of years. Well, in two thousand six, you signed as a discovery signing with FC Dallas. Was how did that uh, come about with them specifically? I know you had at least some interest from Kansas City. Uh, why FC Dallas, and was there a specific reason that they were interested? In you? I mean, not a reason. It was like were they the ones that said, "Here's an offer," and that was it, or was it more, simply a case of they were the team in town? Oh no, 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 no. This this is where the this is where the story gets even more interesting. <laughs> I figured it would. So because um because I couldn't go into the draft, um uh Kansas City were, were interested and, and Dallas were interested. So I had to be signed as a like you said, what they call a discovery. Discovery, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is a ludicrous term as well. <laughs> but the but the, I will say the MLS has come a long way since I left. Yeah. Um and so uh, Kansas City and Dallas both put in to, to sign me. Um, now the rights to sign someone, uh, to sign a discovery player, um, if there's two teams that put in, it goes, the right to sign someone goes to the team who finished lower in the league the previous season. Correct. So that meant Kansas City. Okay. Uh, keep in mind, like my, my girlfriend was in Dallas. I was still going to SMU, so I was... You know, I was wanted to finish my degree. You know, everything was. It, I was still in Dallas. I was living in Dallas. Um, so, so basically, Kansas City had my rights. So, I ended up uh, going to Kansas City for two months. Um, we went to Florida as well. On a, this was preseason, by the way, as well. And and FC Dallas said right off the bat, we've got a you know a half decent contract for you, um, but we can't sign you because FC Dallas, or sorry, Kansas city has your rights. Um, so basically at this point I'm, I'm all over the place, uh, mentally. I'm, you know, I'm a young kid. I, I don't know anything about professional football really just yet. Um, so I thought to myself, I'll go to Kansas city and just, you know, just walk around and play bad and, you know, on purpose. And mm. you know, they'll say, Oh, okay. Well, obviously he's, you know, obviously he's not interested and you know, whatever. So that, that ended up, that ended up taking, you know, better part of a month and a half, two months. Um, at which point I had a meeting with, uh, with the manager. I can't remember his name. Um, but he was, you know, he was, he was quite a nice guy and, and quite, quite down to earth. And we had a, a good open, con- uh, um, an open, honest conversation. Uh, and, he said, "Okay, well, you know, you, you clearly don't want to be here, so you know, we'll, we'll try and work something out with Dallas." And I think they traded a, a, a draft pick or something for for the rights. Um, and so, finally, got my wish. Got back to Dallas. Um, at which point, they told me the only contract that was left, because back, I don't know if they still do it that way, but they have certain categories of contracts that yeah are worth a certain amount of money. Supplemental roster, yeah, yeah. So. Um, 
at that point, the only contract that was left was a $12,000 a year, uh, one year deal. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of MLS fans don't know that even, even in the mid two thousands, the bottom end of a roster, the supplemental roster was literally paying, as you just said, $12,000 a season. Yeah. I mean, you know, so at this stage, uh, you know, after this was, this was about a year after I'd played my last game for, for SMU, I think. I do remember you. Did you not train some and scrimmage some with Dallas though? In the meantime, yeah, between... I was, I was, tra- I was training. They were, they were still wearing the burn uniforms at that point, I think. Or, or I don't know if there was, or maybe well, it was just the old logo or the old, the old, um, like Jeff Kassar was there and, and all those yeah. guys, Eddie Johnson was there. And, um, so I did a lot of training with them. Um, and that was why, you know, there was so much interest because, you know, I, I've been training right. them for months. Um, and, and the talk was, you know, good, good, a good contract, you know, not, not big money for, a, you know, but for a starting, a starting salary, you know, you're talking 40, 50, 60 grand, something like that. Yeah. Full, um, full senior roster. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, after all this, you know, I'd gone from, I'd gone from, you know, generation Adidas, you know, talk and, and, you know, fairly certain that was going to happen to, to a $12,000 contract, $500 a, a fortnight, you know, it's, it was just completely, completely demoralizing. I didn't know how to handle it. Um, and it just, yeah, it sort of went, went downhill even more from there. You feel like, I'm sure you feel like that affected your play during that one season. Oh, absolutely. I was, I was that, I was that, you know, it took me, it took me the better part of, two or three years to get over everything that had happened, um, let alone six months, uh, you know, to, to play and, and really push for a, a starting spot. Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't mature enough to, to be able to handle it. I wasn't equipped with the, with the tools. And, and to be honest, there was no one from the club uh, that, that even thought about my situation or, or, you know, uh, people tried people tried to help you know retrospectively you look at it and, and you know there were people trying to help but um it, it just wasn't it just wasn't a situation that was ever going to work out for me um yeah based on on what had happened well before we get to what you did next how was playing for colin clark was that did you enjoy playing for him and and i know that you were essentially playing in reserve games and some scrimmages um was it was it at all a positive experience playing for him and being in that situation um not really. I was I was quite lucky because I had I had a couple of friends on the team. I had I had Arturo, I had Ramon, um, and I had uh, Chris Bandy, who who's from obviously from Houston as well. I'd known him since you know growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, played with his brother as well. Oh, was Ramon um, at Ramon was at SMU with you? Uh, well, I just you know Ramon was in and around SMU, so you know I'd known him. Oh, I see. I'd known him before, you know. So we we you know, he was friends with a lot of the guys that that. Uh, Played played with. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we we all kind of hung out, and it was you know, it was a, it was a good group, good group of young guys. You know, we had Dax as well. Dax was was a quality player, and and sure. Alex Yee and, and and people like that. We had you know we had quite a good young pitch Colin, and um, mixed with with quite a good you know sort of senior pros as well. Um, so the the group itself was was actually really was actually a really good group. Um, but you know, I didn't have much to do with 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 Colin. Um, you know, I was again. It, it, I did have the feeling that I was, uh, you know, I was sort of just pushed pushed to the side and, and not really, you know, not really worried about too much. You know, a lot of that mm. had to do with my attitude and um, you know the way I uh, 
the way I went about things. But, you know, if, if I'm a coach, you know, a year, a year before I'm, you know, I'm scoring goals left, right and center and, and he's watching me play and, and it was all positive and, you know, to see a change, the, the change in my demeanor and, and attitude would have been so obvious that I don't know how anyone couldn't have, couldn't have seen it. Um, you know, but it is what it is. You know, I, I, I think Colin actually set me up with an agent who, who did, who, you know, you have to have an agent to do your contract. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he set me up with, with one of his, I think it was, it was a friend of his, um, not that he had to do much anyway. Um, but that was really the only dealings I had with, with, with Colin. Well, after the one season of 2006, you retired from pro soccer. Um, now, DF, Wikipedia says you messed around with DFW Toros a little bit in town, but basically you were done with pro soccer at that point. Was Do you remember a moment when you said uh, at this stage, that's it, I'm out, I, I just can't do this? Um, oh, it would have been my, my exit meeting uh, with FC Dallas. I, 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 again, and this comes down to, to how – you know, how ill-equipped and, and how immature I was and, and just completely, completely uh, not knowing the situation, what was, what was happening, not, not being aware of, of what professional soccer was like or, or anything like that. I went into my exit meeting, you know, thinking we'll talk about next year and, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, the, I think I had it with Steve Morrow and it was, um, now, you know, we're not going to be resigning you next year. And, you know, thanks for your, uh, you know, thanks for your time. And that, and that was, that was it. Um, sort of walked out of the, walked out of the, the meeting at, at Frisco Park and just went, uh, you know what, this, this, this isn't for me. This is, you know, it's become, it's become something that isn't even close to, to football. You know, it's, I've got, I had that much negative energy surrounding uh, football and, and um, you know, professional clubs, whatever you want to call it. I'd just been, I felt like I had been, you know, chucked in a, a washing machine and, and just put in, put on a high speed, you know, turn for, for a year. So at that point I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm done with it for now. Um, it, there was, it was never really a, a, a clear, a clear um, retirement type thing. It was more, um, you know, I, I need to take a, uh, as much time off as as possible because I knew I would always play football. Um, but in terms of professionally, again, I I wasn't even thinking about it. Well, within a, a, a period of time, I don't know exactly how many a year, two years, three years. At some point, you decide to move to Australia, which we maybe all can tell from your accent. So, what <laughs> what led you to choose Australia? And and, and t- can you fill us in a little bit about the process of okay, I'm going to go to Australia. Let's go. Let's move. How do you get there? You know what what takes you across the world, basically. Well, um, keep in mind that after I I finished with FC Dallas, I still had another year and a half um, or two years at school. Um, I wanted to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been there that long. I wanted to finish my, my degree. Um, because when you're playing professional football, you can't go to school full time. Um, right. so I, I'd had to take, you know, less classes or less credits, whatever you want to call it. So I ended up, it ended up taking me five years to, to get my degree, which I've never used once in my entire life. By the way. What's your degree in? Uh, a bachelor of history. All right. Yeah, that's useless. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was it was it was it was literally the only thing I could I could sit through in in in, in school. So 
Uh, it was the only thing that interests me, so that's that's why I did that. But anyway, that's a that's another story. Hopefully, my parents don't listen to. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure they will, but they they know that as well, so that's all good. Um, so then, yeah, I, I basically wanted to finish my uh, my degree. Um, during that time, I came out here on holiday with a with with my ex girlfriend, um, and absolutely just just love the place. Um, and and you know thought uh, I don't know if I thought at the time, but I was thinking I'll definitely be back here and in what capacity I I don't, don't know. Um, and then finished my degree, um, sort of floundered around for a few months that summer, and then one day just thought you know what I had some savings um, and just thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Australia and did some research on the visas and, and Australia has a, like, it's, it's nowhere near as, as crazy as, well, it wasn't back then. Um, you could go on a work and holiday. So it was a year visa. Uh, you had to come over here and you had to work for six months and then you could have a holiday for six months, basically. Um, and I picked Cairns um, in, in far North Queensland. It's a nice tropical town, Great Barrier Reef. And, you know, it was just a really laid back sort of kind of, uh, kind of Key West type type town, um, and I just packed up my things and, and moved on out. And, and what kind of job did you get when you got down to Australia? Oh, I worked in I worked in bars. I worked uh, I worked for a company called Caltex, which is which is obviously a um, like a, a an oil company. I worked in in admin uh, stuff and. Um, yeah, just just pretty much did did anything I, I could to to live and and you know just just enjoy life. Really, I, I, it'd been that long since I'd I'd actually got to you know enjoy life and and, and not worry about you know, school or, or football or, or or anything else and just you know just sort of live. Now, uh, at some point between moving there and what I eventually found is that you start playing soccer for a team called Fraser Park FC, which is basically, let's call it a semi-pro team. It's in the new South Wales Super League, which is, I guess is equivalent yeah. to the third tier. But to, I, there's no information I can find for between when you get there and how you get to Fraser Park. Is it, <laughs> did, how did you get back into soccer to play at least at this semi-pro level? Um, so basically, Cairns, Cairns has a, a, a really big, uh, they call it the Esplanade. It's this really sort of public area down by the water. Uh, where everyone goes on a on a hot day to just you know sit out and you know have a few beers or, or whatever it is, and and inevitably a uh, a football starts bouncing around, and I got I got you know just just juggling the ball with with some of these uh, some of these guys. Most of them were were Islander um, sort of uh, Pacific Islander guys, and I don't know I got to chatting with them, and and they introduced me to another guy who who worked for Qantas, which is the obviously the airline over here as well. Um, and we became pretty good friends over the next couple of months. Uh, he introduced me to one of his co-workers, who is now my wife. Um, oh, congratulations. She, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not actually married. I just call her my wife. Oh, um, my goodness. It's easier. Yeah. We've been together, we've been together 11, 11 years. We've got two kids. So um, I think things are a little bit more uh, relaxed over here. I, I, yeah, that's your wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, she was so after we met, she was moving to Sydney in about three months or four months after after we met. So um, the, the, obviously, the feelings were were strong enough for for me to move to to Sydney. Um, 
and one of uh, one of the guys from Cairns, he knew someone uh, at a club, um, Fraser Park, and got in contact. I went down for a, for a session, and and then you know I thought this is all right. It's it's not too you know there's not too much pressure. There's not too much uh, expectation. Um, you know, I can come and make, you know, I think it was four or $500 a week or something, um, to just to play and, and, you know, and the funny thing was I was making as much money as I was making it at FC Dallas, or right. even more, yeah. um, you know, so, um, it was, you know, it was, it was fun. It was, it was, that was, that was the only reason I got back into it was to, to see if I could, you know, find that find that joy again and, and, you know, just, just play the game for, for what it is. And, and, you know, um, and inevitably when you, when you do that, you know, you, you play really well and, you know, you yeah. score a lot of goals and, and, and things, you know, things, you know, things start to happen. Well, I dare say you found your joy because in 2010, which I believe is the first season you're back at this level, you score 11 goals in 20 games for Fraser Park and you're named the New South Wales Super League Player of the Year, which is a pretty remarkable achievement, I must say. So 2011, you move up to up a division, I believe, to the New South Wales Premier League and a team called Sydney Olympic. Uh, and that's essentially the second tier below the A-League, which is the MLS equivalent in Australia, if I'm correct. So how, how did you get to from Fraser to Sydney? Obviously, they're both in Sydney, of course. Yeah, I mean, Sydney's, Sydney's full of teams. Um, you know, there'd be, there'd be sort of eight to ten uh, second tier teams in, in Sydney. Um, and yeah, um, one, of the, one of the coaches uh, who actually owned a cafe really close to where we lived, uh, he was coach at Sydney Olympic and we just chatted one day and he said, you know, why don't you come play for us? And that was how it worked. So obviously, you know, a bit, bit more money and a bit more, you know, I guess it gets a bit more serious uh, at that stage. But again, it's, it was still at this point, I wasn't thinking about football as a career or, um, or anything like that. I was, I was just really focused on, on having fun and, and, you know, just trying to enjoy it. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the the other thing as well is I was a I'm a foreigner here obviously and um, A League has quite strict rules when it comes to to foreigners. There's only there's only five allowed on each team and there's only ten teams. So um, you know at this stage I thought the chances of that happening were you know, were quite slim. So I might as well you know enjoy myself yeah. and um, you know just just see where it led. I guess. Well, in 2011, this is my favorite part of the story. Uh, according to the information I found, in your debut game, you score a hat trick with Sydney Olympic, which is amazing. Well done, and you end up scoring you end up scoring ten goals in fourteen games with them. I can't tell if that's the whole season or not, but at some point, uh, maybe even as early as when you're playing with Fraser Park, you had a trial with Gold Coast United, which is an A League team. And as you're tearing it up with Sydney Olympic, they eventually sign you for the 2011 2012. A league season, according to the information I have, which is the top tier in Australia, that's the endless equivalent. So, uh, is that correct? Did you sign with Gold Coast United, and how did that all come together? Oh man! So I know is... I told people this is a good story that we have to get in all the details, right? No, no. It's look, I enjoy telling it because <laughs> if you if you tried to make it up, you, you probably couldn't. I know. Um, so yeah, I had been up to Gold Coast when I was playing with Fraser Park, more as a. Um, I made a I made a friend in Sydney and, and he was an agent and um at that stage it was more just a oh, I'll go see what the what, what it's like and you know I get to go and they'll pay for pay for everything and you know I'll I'll, I'll see what it's like. Um and then started quite well with with Sydney Olympic. I, I think I scored eight goals in the first six games. Um at which stage uh Gold Coast 
came in, we had a meeting and, and I signed a, a pre-contract for, I think it was about a month later, I had to be up there. So, mm-hmm. um, which was for the minimum wage, which was, you know, still, you know, still half decent 50, 60 K I think it was, which is, that is good. more than I was making in the, in the MLS. <laughs> right. Um, which I, I ended up comparing everything I ever did to, to that first contract I signed at, at, at FC Dallas. I would um, imagine, you know, so yeah. Um, any, anyway, so, so I left, uh, Sydney Olympic, we, we, we did really well. We were top of the league for the, for the pretty much the whole season. Um, I left with about four or five games to go, I think maybe right. more than that. I can't, I can't remember. Okay. Moved, uh, moved everything up to the Gold Coast. Um, got, you know, signed a 12 month lease for, for an apartment. My girlfriend moved up. She was, she was working out of Sydney, but commuting from the Gold Coast, um, you know, got, got, basically moved up my, my entire life, um, had a preseason with them. I got injured um, uh, for about a month of that. Um, now, Gold Coast United was owned by a guy named Clive Palmer, who was uh, basically a, a mining magnate um, and famous for uh, meddling in his team's uh, mm. uh, affairs or, or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, so anyway, one day Clive uh, tells our coach Miron, um, who I'm still friends with to this day, that uh, he wants to bring in uh, a Dutch foreign striker by the name of Massio Ritgers, um, who was a, a more of a, a typical number nine uh, type player. Um, at which point Miron comes to me. So we haven't played a we played a couple of preseason games. We hadn't the A League hadn't started yet. Um, and he comes to me and he says, look, uh, Clive wants to sign this player. We need you a foreign spot um, because obviously there's only five foreigners and, and they chose me as the one to to get rid of. Um, so basically we'll be paying you out your entire contract um, and that's it. So immediately, you know, I went home and, and you know, told, told my, my girlfriend and um, all those feelings of, of FC Dallas and, and SMU and, uh, and, you know, all that stuff that happened to me back in, in the States just immediately came back. And it was, it was very, very difficult to be able to deal with. I still hadn't played a, a professional game. Um, you know, you finally start thinking, okay, this is it. And, and you finally start coming around to the idea, okay, I can get back into to professional sport and, um, and then it's all just taken away because, you know, this, this guy who knows nothing about football wants to, to bring someone in. Well, at that point, I, your option essentially is to go back and you rejoin Sydney Olympic essentially, uh, and you help them win the league and, uh, you score, um, is it the opening goal in the grand final against Sydney United? Uh, so there's a positivity to the end of that story, but how, how do you go from that dark moment to try and, Re, get it going again with Sydney and try and find that joy that you were just talking about five minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the million dollar question. That's the, that's the trick. That's what I'm looking to try and do now as a coach is, is try and, you know, help people find their, find their joy. It's, it's not easy. Um, you know, but my time off the game, uh, you know, those two or three years, however long I had really kind of just, made me realize that it just, you know, there's, there's much more important things. And if, if stuff happens, it, it just happens. Um, and you know, it's the way you deal with it, not 
you know, that, that matters, not, not what actually happened. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't, um, you know, uh, have a few nights out on, on the drink and, and, you know, feel really bad for myself and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, I found myself much more able to deal with, with a setback um, than, I, than I obviously did, uh, you know, earlier in my life. Um, and so, yeah, flew, flew, I think I flew in and flew out for the games at Sydney Olympic um, for the next, I think we had one more game in the season. And then, um, and then we had the semifinal and the grand final, which which we won, which was which was amazing. And then the the next morning, literally, so we had the grand final um, on the I think it was on the Sunday, and, and the Monday morning, six a.m. I flew uh, flew to Wellington. Right, that's the next stage of the the story is that you go to Wellington Phoenix, which is a New Zealand club. For those listening that don't know, that if I understand it correctly, they play in the Australian A League as well. So uh, you went over there for was it a trial or, or did you already have something lined up when you went over to Wellington? No, it was a it was a it was a trial. It was a like a two or three day trial or something. They they had had um, one of their one of their players just before the season. So the season's literally about to start. I think the next weekend, um, which I should have been playing with with Gold Coast, right? Um, uh, and and I think uh, the previous week, one of their players had broken broken his arm uh, trying to do mm. a bicycle kick kick at training or something, um, and he would actually become my roommate. So quite quite funny. But <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I flew flew out after the after the game, um, and yeah, uh, the the Wellington Phoenix they play in the A League. It's it, um, it's quite an interesting situation. They you know all of our uh, anyway. I'll, I guess I'll get into that that later. Um, and for those of you that don't know about New Zealand, um, Wellington specifically, it's it's the windiest city in the world. Um, Chicago is second, I think. Um, <laughs> so you know, Wellington has the shortest uh, runway in the in the entire world because of the wind. They know that the wind's going to slow the planes down. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's re- it's renowned for its wind. Um, yeah. And the first day I landed, it was it was blowing about you know seventy miles an hour. It was sleeting. It was it was just it was just horrible. Um, had a training session. Um, ended up having a really good training session and uh, was offered a, a an eight week injury replacement contract um, at the end of at the end of that session for for the guy who broke his arm. So I don't know if I don't know what how they do it in the MLS, but. Um, basically an injury replacement is someone gets injured. You can sign someone, uh, to replace them and the wages are taken care of by, uh, insurance or, or FFA, which is the governing body here. Yeah. There's something similar in MLS. It's, I think it, is, it has a six week length, but they do have that same sort of mechanism, but you have to fall below a certain number of roster uh, people, but that doesn't matter for the purposes of this podcast. Um, <laughs> but eventually, obviously things go well enough because they give you a longer contract and you end up playing there for a pretty good run. Uh, you know, was there a point at which obviously in that first eight week deal, they were like fantastic kid. Here's a new longer deal. And we want to keep you around. Oh no. Oh no. Not, <laughs> not, not with my story. So that season, I signed, <laughs> I signed five contracts that season. Wow. Um, every, every eight weeks. Um, we, Luckily, there was a, it was a, well, I say luckily, but there was another guy who had done his ACL, so he was out for the season. So they had, they had another uh, player that they could transfer my replacement to, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I signed five in, five injury replacement contracts that that season, um, and it wasn't till the very end of the season that that I signed a, a new full one year deal for the for the next season. Um, but I, I had signed there as a as a striker, um, as a as as the injury replacement for the striker who broke his arm. Right. Um, first game of the season, we played Gold Coast actually, by the way, which was quite interesting. <laughs> um, I can imagine. Um, and the best part of the best part about that story is that at the end of the season, Gold Coast United folded as a club. Oh, and, and I signed wow. a, I signed a, I signed a new deal with with Wellington. So, you know, it, it got there in the end. It just it just took a little while and, and a bit of determination. But um, now to go back to the to the striker thing, I, I signed as a striker, um, and two games into the season, we had I think we had two suspensions and two injuries um, in midfield. So uh, our coach gracious, graciously asked, "Does anyone want to put their hand up?" And you know, me wanting to play and and impress and you know, you know, be a part of everything, I, I put my hand up and I ended up playing two seasons at defensive midfield for the for the club. Wow! Yeah, I, I had so. seen that you had played. You know, I, the information I'm going by doesn't listen to anything like position. So I had seen you were playing all these games, and I was curious where how it had gone you you end up playing a whole season there and at some point it doesn't go well and they decide not to keep you what was the sort of turn in uh and turn in fortunes there was it just that everybody got healthy finally no 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 i was i became so so the at the end of the year uh one of our uh senior players who'd been there a long time he retired at the age of 30 um and they gave me his number and um you know we always we, we played uh you know the first ten games of that second season, I, I was I was starting, starting defensive midfield, um, and you know everything was going quite well. We were, I think we were fifth or sixth in the league, and um, we had had new owners take over mm-hmm. uh, in between the seasons, and they started to uh, say that they wanted a more attacking style of football because mm-hmm. um, we played with two sixes um, and double they, pivot. You know, they started to. Yeah, they started to meddle into our, you know, get in the coach's ear and, and you know, mm. all this sort of stuff. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't great. And so we, you know, then we switched to, to, I guess, one six and two tens or whatever it was. And, and, you know, I found myself on the, on the outer and, um, yeah, it just, just kind of went, kind of went downhill from there. Uh, I went to China for a trial, um, which, which didn't work out. Um, and then you come back from, from leaving a club and you still contracted it, it you know you don't really have any any chance of, of re-signing there. So. Now, Wikipedia says in 2013 you played for somebody called Oakley Cannons. Now, I, I don't know if, how accurate this is. Is that Was that some sort of loan or was it the, something you just joined for a short term? Yeah, so that's uh, at the end of, end, of, end of my A-League contract, that second year. Um, Miron Blyberg, who was the Gold Coast coach, was actually now coaching in the, in the second tier because um, Gold Coast had, had folded. Um, so he, he, he rang me and said, <laughs> ironically, you know, yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a very small world of football. <laughs> um, he rang me and it, it was in Mel, uh, Oakley's in Melbourne. Um, and I didn't have anything else on the table at the time. So, um, the seasons don't run concurrently here, the, the second tier in the, in the top league. I noticed it's that a bit silly. Yeah. It's a bit silly how they do it, but uh, you know, it is what it is. There's, there's a lot of issues here, but we won't get into that. Um, 
and yeah, just just played for them for a while. Um, my wife was pregnant with our with our first child, so um, Melbourne was a was a good place to come. She had her her parents here, so um, played there for a little while, and um, yeah, you know all those all those uh, thoughts of of the professional game. I, I felt like it didn't really end as well as it could have in in Wellington. Um, it was a great city, great club. Um, just again ruined by. By things that you know should, should never ruin, uh, yeah, basically money yeah. and power and and yeah. you know uh, non-football people making football decisions. Mm. Don't get me started. All right, so <laughs> t- 2014, you join uh, Far North Queensland, which is back in Cairns, which I believe you said was a town you really liked. Uh, and over two seasons, you score 33 goals in 41 games. So I guess the joy is back playing soccer, uh, playing striker. So things are going well up in Far North Queensland, it seems. Yeah, I um, you know, we obviously just had our our son, and and you know, I was, for me at this point, going in and out of football wasn't an issue. Um, you know, the, the problem with with a lot of professional footballers is that they they feel like they have to stay in the game, um, at the highest level. Um, you know, at this stage, the the move to to Cairns, you know, was never going to really benefit me uh, football wise. Um, it was more. A case of you know we wanted to live in cans and and you know we wanted to to enjoy our lives a little bit um and you know raise our i guess raise our son in a in a you know in an area where you know we we knew and and, and we liked um so I, I basically within within six months i'd gone from a professional club to to training at a primary school um that's where our that's where our training pitch was uh up in up in cans which which you know was didn't really bother me, but you know it was it's a it's crazy how how things can turn you know in, in the space of of, of six months. Um, but no, it was a it was a really successful time for me, I guess, uh, playing wise, and and um, you know we ended up doing doing quite well as a club, and they've since folded as well. So I don't mm. know if it's something uh, something to do with me, Alex. Yeah, you're the death knell on teams. Uh, <laughs> So a couple of seasons in, in uh, uh, North, far north Queensland. Uh, in 2016, yeah, to me, this story takes another left turn. Well, at least it, it does as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and you join a team in Malaysia called MS Matrix. So how, how, how does that deal come about? And how do you take one more time, what seems to me on paper at least, another uh, interesting leap in a career? So I was, I think I was 29 at the time. Um, I just turned 29 or just turned 30. I can't remember. Anyway, it was, it was towards the end of the year. I'd had another trial with Newcastle Jets, which is in the A-League. Um, sure. It was, again, it was ruined by uh, something, you know, a coach. And, and anyway, um, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter why at, at this stage. Um and I'd given myself two months. I said, I'm going to play for another two months. Um, if, if nothing comes, if nothing comes up, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. And, uh, about a month later, I get a call from, uh, an old, an old friend of mine who played against in the A-League. Um, and he was over there in Malaysia, uh, uh, we had an they had an Aussie coach and there was there was three Australian players playing for this team. Well, it was still in the preseason, so they were looking for another one. And they you can have four foreigners in in Malaysia, and they they asked me if I'd come over for um, what they call a what they call a trial. Um, 
which in Malaysia means something completely different than it does anywhere else. You know, <laughs> every, everybody, everybody has to trial um, in, in Malaysia. They don't just sign foreigners. Um, you know, even if uh, you know, okay, maybe David Beckham or someone like that. But you know, even if you've got a, a really good pedigree from from Europe, you'd still have to fly over there and, and trial. It's more of a a formality than it is uh, anything else. Mm-hmm. So I flew over, um, flew to flew into KL. Um, the, this place was in a, a city called Saramban, which is forty five minutes south of KL. Um, drove down, um, and uh, I think I played in a couple of games. Uh, had a couple of training sessions. Met all the like uh, they're called datos in in Malaysia, which are the um, the, the sort of the high up people, um, which you need to get approval from. And and yeah, the, the 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 money was was more than anything else I'd made in my entire career. So um, you know, we decided to to take the plunge. My son was, I think he was a he was three at the time. So we we decided to to go over there for a year and, and give it a shot. Now, how is that culturally? I assume there's a fish out of water sort of uh, feel to the whole thing. Is that how much English do they speak? Is it is it, was it a difficult process to play in in Malaysia? Um, in terms of culture and, and fitting in and, and, and lifestyle and, and all that, it was, it was ridiculously easy. Um, most, most people speak English. Um, and you know, you, you pick up, you pick up, uh, the local Bahasa, whatever it is quite, quite quickly. And KL is a, you know, Kuala Lumpur is a very international city. It's got, you know, everything you could ever imagine. There's Ikea's all over the place and there's, you know, so it was, um, it was, it was quite, it was quite easy in that sense. Um, you know the, the football side of things that was probably the the, the toughest um you, you know there's there's so many there's so many stories i could do a podcast just on on malaysia we we had a we had a rain we had a rain man who if if it was um if it was raining during the day he would come to the pitch and do a, a like a, a dance to to get the uh to get the rain uh, to move away so that we could play the game that night um, you know, players smoking in the change rooms. Um, <laughs> so England uh, in the fifties, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the grass that we played on, it was that it's that Buffalo cow grass. So, you know, similar to what you'd have in backyards in, in, in Houston or, or Dallas, you know, it's that yeah. real, you know, weedy type. And that, that, those were our, those were our, you know, main pitches, but then the stadium itself, seats 60,000 people so it's a massive it's a massive stadium and then you know this this pretty horrible pitch I mean we had we had kickoffs uh, because when when we had Ramadan um, players uh, local players don't eat uh, or drink when the sun's up so uh, they can't eat they, they obviously can't put anything in their bodies until the sun goes down which is six or seven o'clock at night so you can't then play at 7:30, so some of our kickoffs were at like 10 p.m. Wow! And so we, we'd be getting we'd be getting back to our houses at, at 1 a.m. You know, from from a game. And if you're talking about 60,000 seater stadiums, these are they are they full? Are these these have to be some of the biggest crowds you've ever played in front of? Yeah, I mean, our our club had been uh, had been in the top division, and they had gone down to. So this is second division Malaysia. This isn't even top division, um, and. Um, they had been in the top division, come down to the bottom. So there was a lot of angst amongst the fans about, you know, that. And, and, but, you know, we'd get, 
we'd get 20, 25,000. Um, some of the away trips we went, we played in, they have like an FA Cup there. We went up to mm-hmm. a place called Kedah. Um, they, there was like 50,000 fans there and you wow. know, they're, they're so passionate about, about football. Um, it was just a, it was just a great adventure, a great time. Um, and, and you know, you're making, you're making really good money. It's very cheap to live. They give you a house, they give you a car. Um, you know, Thailand is an hour flight. Um, you know, we took, we took short holidays, you know, all over Southeast Asia and, and, you know, just, just really, just a really enjoyable time. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, living in a foreign country and, and with a level of affluence must be just, you know, well, especially an exotic sort of theater like that. I can only imagine some of the stories that you would have from that time. Uh, in 2017, you shift to another club and I can't, I can't, I can't pronounce this one. <laughs> just call it, just call it J, JDT. JDT. Uh, yeah. J- J- Johor Darul Tazim FC2. Is that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. I, I got a close. JDT. All right. So why the move and, and tell me about playing for that club. So I had, I had quite a, a, a good year. Uh, my first year in Malaysia scored, scored a few goals and, um, uh, so JDT, JDT is the biggest club in Southeast Asia. So it's, it rivals, uh, some of your clubs in, in Korea, uh, Japan, um, and, and even Australia. Um, it's, it's owned by, uh, it's owned by a prince mm. who is very, very, uh, committed to, to football and, and, um, growing the game and facilities. I mean, they just built a new stadium, um, for the for the first team there and it's if you, you look if you if you get a chance look it up it's it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing um but during my first year we, we had played against jdt2 so they've got they've got two teams they've got jdt and jdt2 which is in the second division and jdt is in the top division um pablo imar has played for him and and, and he, he's brought in a lot of sort of foreign players um luciano figueroa i don't know if you remember him played for Argentina. He, he's now their coach. Um, so anyway, I had quite a good game against uh, JDT2 and their coach was a, a Mexican guy who uh, um, we made contact with after the season. And, and he said, yes, I'd like you to, to be one of my foreign players for, for the next season. Um, and again, the money was even better. Um, and it's all, it's all US dollars uh, in Malaysia. So um, there's no tax, uh, which is, which is quite nice as well. Um, and so, yeah, we moved, we went back to Cairns for, a, I think it was a month or two and then had my, had my second child. Um, and then I came back to, to Johor, which is in the, on the Southern tip of Malaysia, close to Singapore, um, and sorted out all the stuff. And then, um, my wife and, and two kids moved over, a, a, about a month, month or two later. And was that a positive experience playing for a, a, a like a, ki- a team probably more into the spotlight, perhaps? Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a great club. The facilities were they would rival most uh, they would rival most clubs around around the world. Um, I, I obviously haven't been to any MLS clubs lately. I've heard about all the investment that that has been uh, put into them, but um, you know the facilities at, at JDT were were top class and and. Um, it was a great experience, you know. You're playing for a for a guy who's uh, who's who's worshipped. Um, you know, we went to we went to his son's uh, birthday party, um, so it was basically a, a you know a, a prince's 
birthday party, um, a, a royal prince. Um, there's, you know, he brought in trains and, you know, 10 horses for people to ride and, um, you know, all these exotic animals and this guy standing around with AK 47s, you know, it's, it was a, it was an absolutely just unbelievable experience for the, for the whole thing. Um, and it, it kind of, it didn't, didn't really end well in, in, in JDT, but, um, you know, it's, that's, that's football, I guess. Yeah. 2018, you head back to Sydney Olympic again. Um, tell me about the end of, uh, your time in Malaysia and what took you back to uh, Sydney again? Um, so I actually, I actually went, we actually went back to, to that's Brisbane Olympics. So that's a, that's a different Olympic. Oh, that's a typo on my part. My bad. That's all good. Um, I can see how you could be confused. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, uh, coach and I had a, the Mexican coach and I had a, a disagreement and, and, um, he, uh, I don't know. He, he thought I said something that I didn't. And it was all just, it was all just a bit silly. And, um, we had a, we had a bit of time off and I, and I just said to myself, you know what, I'm, I think I was 32 by this point. I don't, I don't need this, you know, I don't need this anymore. I want to, you know, I want to go back to Australia and, and, you know, maybe settle down and finish up playing and get into, you know, start my coaching. Um, I had already gotten a couple of badges by then, but, uh, really wanted to focus on my coaching, uh, you know, as the next sort of next sort of step. Um, and we moved. Uh, I let my uh, I let my wife choose where we were going to move, and she picked a, a place called the Sunshine Coast um, in Queensland, which, as the name suggests, is on the coast, full of sunshine, um, <laughs> and 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 right on the beach. Um, and we we lived there for about uh, for about two years, um, maybe just a bit more. Um, it's about an hour and a half north of Brisbane. Um, and I started playing, uh, pretty much realized I didn't want to, I didn't want to give up just yet. Um, and started playing in the second tier again, um, with a, with a club called Brisbane Olympic. Now that I, did I get that information correct that you again scored a hat trick debut? Yep. Yeah. yeah <laughs> did that, did, did that again, which was, yeah. which was nice. Um, and again, you know, when you're, when you're doing it for the right reasons, um, you know, you generally, or, or the, the reasons that are important to you. I mean, I, I know money is important to some people. So if, if that's what motivates you, then, you know, just, I, I guess if you admit that, um, and, and that's why you're playing the game, then, you know, it, it's probably not going to affect you. Well, according to the interwebs, you had 27 goals and 38 games leading to a couple of grand finals. I have to say, Alex, that it sure seems like in your career, at least that, uh, the level of joy you're having really comes through on the field. You know, like you just said, if you're playing for the right reasons, things are going well. Would you think that's a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. And and I think a lot of that, a lot of that comes down to, to the coach, to the coaches that I've had as well. Um, which is a big reason I'm, I'm now into, uh, I'm now into coaching. Um, you know, if, if you think about all those, those times I had success, you know, I had, uh, I had coaches that were, you know, sort of in tune with, 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 with me and, and what it, you know, what, what was important to me as a, as a player. And that might not be what's important to everyone else. Um, but the ability to, you know, to, to, uh, really gauge each, each one of your players and, and find out what makes them tick, you know, that's, that's for me is, is the most important thing about coaching at a, at a senior level. Now it seems, uh, an ACL tear may have ended your playing days, but you've talked before already about working on badges ahead of time. 
Um, was, was there a point at which you knew you wanted to coach or did it just sort of come on you gradually? Uh, and on one day you found yourself, Oh man, I guess I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> oh, FC, FC Dallas. So I knew I wanted to be a coach. Um, I, I knew the way that I was being, uh, what I felt at the time sort of pushed aside. I, I, I knew I'd never wanted that to happen to anyone. Um, especially in a senior environment. I mean, you know, this, the, these are, this is people, this is your job as a head coach is to take care of the, the 20, 30, 40 so players, however many you have. It, it, it's not hard to, to make sure you're, you know, across every single player um, if, if you're willing to put the work in. Um, you know, so, so I've known from a young age that coaching was always probably going to be my calling, not, not playing. Um, obviously it helps that, you know, I, I've played at a half decent level and I've you know been around the world and experienced a, a lot of different things. Um, but you know, I, I knew that I knew that from a young age that the coaching might be, might be, a, a you know, uh, something that I, I could excel at. Um, I've got fairly strong opinions about it. Um, and, uh, the, the ACL, I, I actually tore my ACL during the during my last season um about four games in and then played the rest of the season wow. without my without my acl good lord <laughs> it's still uh, scoring all those goals still scoring and, and <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up i ended up getting player of the year um this last year for for during that season so well, that I, one I, in I, the notes congratulations <laughs> no no it yeah, was yeah. um it was um it was an interesting, uh, an interesting time, you know, to, to get the news that you've torn your ACL at 34 years old. You think, okay, well, that's, that's me done. Um, but then, you know, you start running around the next day and everything's fine. There's no swelling. Um, you know, there's no pain. Um, and then, you know, you just sort of keep on playing. Um, so it, it did catch up with me in the, in the semifinal um this last year i i landed funny and, and tore my meniscus which mm. which was that was sort of the that was the last that was the last straw i'm actually having surgery in in two weeks um to finally get it fixed no good luck so no thanks um so yeah and then that was that was that was it um i i just finishing up my a license here um it's actually been delayed during uh, due to all this uh coronavirus stuff so right right um but you know i guess we're doing a, a bit better than than you guys are over there, so yeah, you know, we can't can't complain too much. Right. Well, I I know that you are coaching. Uh, so how how did that transition happen? Uh, how, did you move in with Brisbane United? Uh, sorry, Olympic Brisbane Olympic, or is it some other opportunity that's come up for you? Um, I started coaching uh, through a connection at Brisbane Roar, which is in the at the A League uh, level here, um, with their with their W League team, with their girls team, mm-hmm. um, as a, as an assistant. Um, that the, the girls league here is, is quite, um, I think it's probably one of the, you know, top six or seven leagues in the world. Um, the, the Australian women's team is actually, is, is obviously quite, quite yes, highly respected. And, of course. And, um, you know, so, uh, um, it was, it was something that, that, you know, always interests me and, and having my daughter sort of really made me think about it. Um, and through, uh, through the football operations manager at, uh, Brisbane, he moved down to Melbourne City, um, which is obviously owned by the the City Group. So you know you got your Manchester City, your New York City, and and, and all that stuff. So right, right. Um, he he rang me up and said we're we're hiring uh, academy coaches. Um, would you like to put your name in? And I said yeah, absolutely, and 
one thing led to another and I got down here and they needed an, a, an assistant for the, for the W league team again. So I, I ended up doing that. Um, and we were, we were very successful this year. So, um, now back working with the Academy until the, until the W league starts up again. So what's your, what's your, lots of people I talk to that want to be coaches, you know, they, they have specific kinds of things they like to do. Do you like the Academy? Do you like the young kids? Do you like the the pro game? Do you see your future in the women or the, or the men's? Where, where do you think you'd like to head with your coaching career? Um, I think I've got two kids at home, which is enough for me. Um, so the Academy side of things, I don't know if uh, at the moment I'm working with sort of 15, 16 year olds, which isn't, which isn't too bad. You're getting um, towards that almost adult. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're getting towards that sort of elite performance stage. Yeah. Um, but the, the women's game is something I'm, I'm very, very uh, interested in and, and committed to. Um, uh, I think it's, it's um, uh, women or, or girls, whatever, however you want to say it, they're, they're very, very enjoyable to coach. Um, they, they really listen um, and take, and take on board instructions. Um, you know, whereas sometimes you have 12 year old kids who think they're Pele. You know, the next Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, right. And, right. Know, not Pele. Right. Know, whoever, whoever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, and just this past year, for example, you know, we've got, uh, we've got girls on our, on our squad that have played 105 times for Australia, mm. um, you know, played in world cups and, and they're, you know, they're coming to me asking me for, for advice and, and, you know, what should I do in this situation and, and all this sort of stuff. So um, definitely for me, uh, you know, the women's game is something I'm, I'm very interested in, in staying in. Uh, but, but senior, senior football coaching is, is uh, I think is where I, uh, is where I belong. Well, I have to say, Alex, I, I find your career journey to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, I, I could listen to you tell stories about it for hours, but we're already well over an hour on this one. Um, looking back, on your own career, any, any, any regrets, any, anything you feel like maybe I should have done that differently? Um, this is, uh, this is a question that I have, uh, I have wrestled with for, for a very, very long time. Um, you know, you think back to SMU, should I have gone to England? Should I have not? Should I have just stayed? You know, what would it have meant? Um, you know, maybe a career in EMLS, maybe not. Um, yeah, you know, all sorts of, of what ifs, but, you know, then I think about, you know, I think about my wife and, and my two kids and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I never would have met them and, and I wouldn't have got to experience, you know, other countries and other, other things. So, so regrets, um, I think regrets is a, is a dangerous word, um, in life in general. Um, but, uh, more of a wonder, I think. I think is is the thing that I've kind of settled on. Is 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 more just wonder, wonder what would have happened and how it would have happened. But but comfortable in, in the way it did work out, um, and you know, uh, content with with the career that I did manage to have, considering all the stuff that that you know whatever happened to me. You're one of the only people I know that's played in uh, MLS and in Australia. So how do you think? <laughs> How do you think those two countries and their professional leagues compare from when you were in Major League Soccer? And and I know you've probably seen enough Major League Soccer now that where do you think of where Major League Soccer is heading? Well, you know, people always say to me these days, you know, when they talk about the MLS here, they say, oh, what a great league. And I said, well, it is now, um, you know, 
and then I remind them that, uh, about my first contract at, at FC Dallas, but the, the amount of, from the outside, at least from the amount of investment um, that has gone into the game in the MLS is just, is just, you know, it's staggering, you know? Um, I don't know if you've read anything about here in Australia, but you know, we haven't played games in two or three months and all of our players have been stood down. So, mm. you know, that just, that shows the difference in terms of, you know, financial viability or, or whatever you want to call it um, between the two leagues in terms of quality. Um, uh, I, I think there's more quality in the MLS. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a league that allows more quality to, to, uh, to, to prosper. The Australian A-League is, is one of the fastest leagues in the world. Um, you know, there were games when I was running 17, 18 Ks, which mm. is, uh, I don't know if you want me to make me do the, Right, but <laughs> it's a lot i know it's it's a lot um it, it is so fast um you know you, you don't have that much time on the ball um it's it's just you know whereas you know there's a lot of hispanic influence in in the mls um which is a bit of a slower game um you know there, there's a lot more uh from what it looks like anyway there's a lot more time and, and, and space to you know to be creative or you know a bit of flair or whatever it is um, but you know, in terms of quality, there are some there's some quality footballers uh, playing in, in the Australian A League. You know, I, I was lucky enough to play against Del Piero of all people. So, um, you know, it, it it it's struggling a bit at the moment, but but hopefully we can we can get the league uh, here back on track. And um, money is the only way that's going to happen, uh, unfortunately. Well, Alex, thank you for coming on and, and telling your story today. I think it's been absolutely. Fantastic. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's to me, the, the, the choices you've made have been uh, both amazing, even if they were not what you would have picked ahead of time. Uh, to me, it's you have such a great story to tell and such a great trip you've made. Uh, I, I hope people enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking with us. No worries, Buzz. It was, uh, it was actually really good for me as well to, to sit down and, and talk. And after all these years, it's, uh, it's really good to talk to you. It's uh, <laughs> quite funny how it's all come in a, in a roundabout. Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, I was out there watching you back in 05, 06, uh, you know, on the train and on the sidelines. And, and I'm glad you reached out uh, last year and we were able to reconnect. And uh, and again, I appreciate you coming on. It's been tremendous. Oh, thanks a lot. It's been a, been a pleasure. All right, everybody. That was today's Third Degree, the podcast with Alex Smith. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I thought that was thoroughly entertaining uh, to hear those wonderful stories from <laughs> some of the most amazing places Alex played. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us at thirddegree.net. Uh, sorry, patreon.com slash thirddegree. You can also, of course, read all of our work at thirddegree.net. Find us on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Anyway, that's today's Third Degree, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk again soon. Mm-hmm.